Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everyone. You know, we often uh, thank our band for our worship, which is great, but we have so many folks who are serving up in the mezzanine area and back here. Can we just honor those folks who faithfully give, serve every weekend? We're glad to have you guys. And I am glad to be back. I want to welcome everybody here, everybody streaming. And uh, yeah, Beth and I were away last weekend. Uh, part of my responsibilities in this season of life right now as I'm serving as a trustee at the seminary where, uh, actually where Beth and I met and fell in love, so yay seminary, right? And uh, anyhow, so we had some responsibilities there. We had to attend a conference and uh, that was always good work, but we do that in the fall. And while we were away, we had a couple of days off when we got through and uh, I did what I normally uh, do on vacation, and when I'm with Beth and we have some time, I took her to a cemetery, and I want to show you, there it is there. And uh, well, actually, what I want to say, so this is actually, this is me being a good husband, because uh, Beth's family line, how many of you guys have done like ancestry, or you're learning your family line and all that? such a cool thing to do. And uh, Beth found out that she actually has relatives that came through Lebanon, Tennessee. We were in Nashville, and so we drove out to Lebanon to see if we could see anybody that was her family, and there were just dead people, and we didn't see anybody. So <laughs> that, that was it, but I did do that. But then I did, I did transition out of that, and I took her to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. Boom on that, so I get, I get points for that. And uh, we go right in this thing. I really want to commend this to you. And there's all this cool memorabilia about country music. We're kind of country music fans. But I get right to the beginning of this, and I never almost got past. I want to show you this. There's the car. That is the Smokey and the Bandit car. How many of you all remember that car? Yeah, guys, right? And I, when I saw that car, it reminded me of my 1976 Chevy Nova, which was the car that I had. That, that, there you go. Uh, that's kind of a replica of my car, only not quite the same. And, uh, and then, but I will say on Friday night, then I took Beth to the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, in fact, I surprised her. We did, the, we did the backstage tour, and we actually got to stand in the circle. There we are, standing in the circle on the stage at Grand Ole Opry. That's as close as we'll ever get. There it is right there. So anyhow, glad to be back with you guys. So uh, I want to encourage you to grab your app, grab your notes. Uh, we're going to dig in. We are starting a new series today, and we're going to start a series. I want to talk to you about truth, and I want to talk to you about the scriptures and the connection of uh, these two uh, ideas. And you know, oftentimes, this is the way I was thinking this uh, out, uh, today I want to sort of lay a track for us that we're going to run on the next two or three weeks. So today is sort of a preemptory sort of thing in my mind. I want to kind of get all of the room and everybody streaming from wherever you are uh, in the room. Still, the majority of our church is still online in this weird season we're traveling through. And so um, I, I wanted to share some things that would help us to get our minds in the game and, and, and talk about this kind of thing in an, in an important way. 
And I was thinking about this because oftentimes when we come together, we often say, well, love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and our strength. But here's what I'm going to invite us to do in this series. Let's love God with our minds. And so I want to dig in. So this is going to be a little bit level two. We're going to push some edges and kind of move uh, into this conversation. I was thinking about how to tee it up, and this is one of the things that I thought about. I thought, you know, when, when you come on Sundays or you stream a service, our church or maybe another church, this is what you'll run into. We'll do some singing, right? We just did some singing. And when we're singing, this is, I want to tell you, this is what we think about here at Community of Hope when we sing. Uh, we will let people navigate what is happening when we sing. Many of us, when we're singing, we believe what we're singing, and we, and we profess belief in that. Now, here's what we know, though. We know in the room, maybe not everybody yet is believing that, but you're singing and you're manifesting a kind of, well, I want to believe that. I don't know that that's true. I'm not ready to declare that's true, but maybe, maybe we'll be open to the idea. Some of us are here, and we have doubts, and one of the things I love about Community of Hope is that we try to have the real conversation. We welcome the conversation in the room, and that's kind of the thing that we'll do. So, so a lot of times when we gather, we're going to do some singing. Then, after we're through with some singing, we're going to do some learning, which primarily means I have a part to play which is I'm going to do some talking, and then you're going to do some listening. And, um, and I started thinking about this part of the service, because every weekend we open the Bible, we read from it, somebody will teach from it. And what I want you to know is that the finished product, product of what you see on this stage, there's a whole process that we have behind this. Uh, so I have a team that is around me that I, that I lead, and for years, Kathy has been on that team. Any of you all know her? We've added uh, to that team Pastor Trevor. Uh, you, you heard from him a few moments ago. Then we've added uh, Pastor Brandon, who's going to be launching a campus down Lake Worth. We have Pastor Jose, who's leading a campus over in West Palm Beach. We used to call it our East Campus in West Palm Beach. Okay. And then we have Pastor F. Ryan, who leads our uh, Espanol campus over there. And we all come together, we study, we learn, we make some decisions about content, and we move the content forward. And so this is the kind of process that happens whenever uh, we come together. And a while back, I started thinking about this part of the service, and I, I started thinking this. Does everyone know why we do this? Does everyone um, get this idea? Can we trust the process? Can you trust me? I mean, this is an important part of the conversation, right? Because when you think about it, um, it's not a guarantee that everybody gets this. In fact, I was thinking, uh, the Bible has been misused across the centuries to condone all kinds of thoughts and beliefs and practices that God would not honor and to oppress and uninvite people all the time. That, 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 like, that happens. And again, one of the things that I love about our church is we're going to welcome all the conversations in the room, and we're going to study, we're going to grow, we're going to learn together. And so what I want to do, what I propose, is I, I want to take a moment, I want to take three weeks actually, and let's concentrate on this part of our service. And I was thinking about this, and if we do this right, I think we'll get at the end of this series, and here's my goal, I'm just going to state it right at the beginning, uh, we're getting to get to the end of the process, and um, we will understand this part of what we do on Sunday mornings even better. 
Uh, my goal, my hope, and prayer is that we'll answer some of the unspoken questions in the room. We'll provide a baseline for how we can grow together as a church family. And we never at Community of Hope want to make an assumption that everyone is in on this. So every now and again, we slow it down and we onboard a lot of people. Does that make sense? You feel like a good idea? One person, awesome. That was funny. <laughs> I've lost you already. This is going to be horrible. Okay, here we go. So whenever I'm in a conversation, this is what I was thinking, whenever I'm in a conversation about this part of the service, and people ask me, like you're a pastor, that's kind of a thing today when you, if you ever say that, you know, it's, I always feel like when I'm ever on a plane and somebody, they turn to you and they ask the dreaded question, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. That's usually the end of the conversation right there. <laughs> Just normally comes to a screeching halt. But when people ask me about like, you know, this part of the process and how we study, how we learn, uh, and especially about truth, I think of three things I want to give them to you. Uh, here's the thing. The writers of Scripture, and you may want to write this down, speak of an absolute truth. Like, in other words, there's a truth. You can know it. There, there's a truth to be known and understood. And, and here's what I want us to think about together as a church family. The Bible makes claims of itself and of the truth that it presents that are different from all the other claims about truth. I want to give you some. Uh, there are a lot. Uh, I'll, just give you, I'll just give you a, a, a couple of them to let you see what I'm thinking about. One is a statement that Paul makes in, in the book of Galatians chapter 1. This is what he says. I'm gonna put, we'll put it on screen. He says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, listen to what Paul says here. I received it, look at this word, by revelation from Jesus Christ. In other words, this. Paul literally believed that the stuff he was talking about, the stuff he was presenting, he didn't come up with it. It wasn't his idea. Uh, in fact, sometimes he would refer to himself as a bondservant, which he meant like, I'm literally tied to these truths that I'm presenting. It's a super interesting concept to think about for a moment. Sometimes we read this stuff and we just go right over it. And we, don't, we don't pause to go, man... I mean, that's making a claim that's pretty unique. Let me give you, let me give you another one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul makes another one. He's, he's talking about truth, and look what he says here. He says, he said, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, look at this, which you heard from us, so they're sharing it, you received it not as human, as a human word. Look at that. But as it actually is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So, here, what's, what's he saying? When we open our lives to the word of God, the word of God starts working in our lives in ways we can't even yet see and understand. One of the things I love about our church is I'll watch people come in. This is new to them. And, and they just become open and they just start, I, I had this guy a, a, a while ago who said, he's this really hard surface guy, this really, you know, big and shaped dude. He's got tats everywhere. And he said, he said, when I come in here, I, got, I get emotional. 
and I don't know why. And then he said a, then he said a word I will not say on the stage. And the way he said it, it was almost like he was saying, you're not making me fun of me because I'm emotional, are you? And I'm going, uh, no. He, what's he saying? Something's going on. Let me give you another one. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. This is very interesting. Jesus says this. Uh, uh, John writes, So the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you who are really my disciples. Look what he says here. You will know, look at the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. So here's what I want to say, first of all. Scripture speaks of an absolute truth. Now, let's take it a step further. Here's another thing I think I want to talk to people like this. Jesus says he is the truth. In that classic verse, maybe you've heard it before, John chapter 14, verse 6, people are asking about him, who he is, and Jesus answered, he says, I, look at what he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Those are definite articles, if you remember your English. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Scripture speaks of an absolute truth. Jesus says he is the truth. And so on the one hand, what I want to say to everybody is, so, so the Bible says there is a truth to be known. Like two plus two equals four, right? Stop signs are real, right? So a little story here. Um, a couple weeks ago, Beth and I were driving around, and Friday we take Fridays off. I don't want to talk to any of y'all on Friday. <laughs> I don't want to be with my wife. And we were, we were around town running some errands, running the truck. We're having, having a great time. And I get to that intersection on State Road 7 and Southern Boulevard. How many of y'all know that dreaded intersection? And sometimes when you're there, the light is like super, like it's all backed up, right? And so I just see off in the distance, like four miles ahead, that it turns green. <laughs> and people start to go. And I'm pulling right up to the light, and, and it turns yellow. There's a moment of decision when that happens. <laughs> and, and I was, I, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I was putting on my brakes, and I heard the car next to me rev up. It was probably one of you guys, okay? And, and, and there's just something in me, all of a sudden I went, well, if he's going, I can go too, right? And so I pulled through the light as the light was changing color, and I look over at my beautiful wife, and this is what Beth says to me. She goes, that was pink. And what do you think happened after that? Exactly. And I'm going through the light, and all of a sudden, I, uh, this officer pulls in behind me, and he flashes the lights. And my wife says, I told you so. <laughs> and so I pull over, and the officer walks up to the truck. And first of all, time out. I, just, I, need, to, I need to get this off my chest. <laughs> he was an exceptionally good-looking man. And, and I just, I'm going to own that. And, and, and I think he was Latino, and, which makes it even worse. 
And he comes up, he comes up to the car and he and, and to the truck, and he just says, um, Do you know why I'm pulling you over? And in fact, what he says is, Do you know why I'm pulling you over? <laughs> I look over at my wife and she's like got this smile on her face. And I said, I I think so. And he goes, Tell me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm telling you all this story. I can't believe it. And uh, I said, well, you know, and he's got the book, right? He's got the dreaded book. And uh, so there's a moment of, moment of decision there. And I said, well, I, I, I may have gone through the light. And this, quick as a flash, this is what he said, honestly. He goes, um, so are you telling me? He's like holding the book, you know. He said, are you telling me that you went through the light? Now that's getting now it's getting more real, right? And I look at my wife and I said, "Yes, that's what I'm telling you." And honest to goodness, he goes, "Have a good day." And he walked. He walked it was like it was over. Now, here's but here's what I want you to know. What was he waiting on? He's waiting on the truth. There's the truth. That little side story. So he walks away and I called him back because I wanted to know, like, you know, there's a line when you're in the intersection and it's yellow. I think you get to go through it. If it's before, officers in the room can correct me later. You know, I don't want to pass along misinformation. And I asked him, I asked him about it. And this is classic. He goes, what does your wife say? <laughs> the whole thing about that sucked, to be honest with you. I just get that out. He said, he said, guys, just I want to give you a little heads up. He said, nine out of ten times, he said, it's the girlfriend or the wife that tells the truth. Let's stand for closing prayer. Okay. So here, here's the thing. Scripture speaks of an absolute truth. Okay. Number two, Jesus says he is truth. So literally every single thing that is truthful emanates from him. But here's the challenge and question of our day. Truth is under assault in our world. Um, Alan Bloom in his book, The Closing of the American Mind, says that the majority of students now entering a university as freshmen believe or say they believe that truth is actually not real, it's relative, meaning that truth claims are just really opinions strongly held, usually through culturally shaped perspectives. One author goes on to say that we're quickly becoming, uh, coming to a place in America where we no longer believe in any absolute truth. It's becoming hard to believe that something can be actually universally true for everyone. We now say in our world that the highest value in our world today is, when it comes to core ideas, is the idea of tolerance. And let me define that. And while tolerance and the freedom of ideas is certainly a value to be held in our culture, I want to pause here because I don't want you to misunderstand me. I think tolerance is an important value in our culture. But here's the thing I want to say about it. Listen to, listen to this researched here. That the idea of uh, tolerance has reached so far as to undermine the idea of a genuine 
absolute truth. In our culture today, tolerance no longer means we'll be respectful when we disagree. Tolerance simply now means we must always agree. Truth is under assault. Popular atheist Daniel Dennett pulls this into the religious environment when he wrote in his provocative book, Breaking the Spell. He said, for too long, religious faith has simply been protected by the idea that it is holy or sacred, thereby untouchable. And all it really takes is a little critical thinking to reveal it as total nonsense, and then we can break the spell. Fellow atheist Sam Harris says the only difference between believing in Jesus and thinking you are Jesus is the number of people involved in each category. Just this week, Relevant Magazine, I'll show you the picture, revealed that almost all of Facebook's top Christian pages were actually run by foreign troll farms, not actually authored by Christians at all. Truth is under assault. And when we come into a place like this, here's, here's, what I, here's what I believe to be true, and you can tell me again after if I'm wrong. All of us are here because we're searching for truth. We're all wanting to build our lives on something, and what we build our lives on, it must be and should be sustainable enough to carry the weight of our very lives. And if we get to the place where truth is just, and here's what we say it in our culture, I bet you've heard it, my truth and your truth, even if they're the two opposite things, it's still true. What do we do with that? This is an important question. And so this is what brings me to this space, because I, I think when we're in here, and we're doing this, this is in many ways a reflexive exercise about how we move toward the truth. But there's a lot involved in this. Some of us have been hurt by people proclaiming the truth. And so this is an important thing. One of the things that I always think about really in spaces like this is that um, when the Bible makes these claims that are very different, it is suggesting to us that there is actually a truth that we can know and embrace. Many of you all know that uh, a lot of times when we're preaching a series, we, we distill the series down into just a, a biblical verse or two that sort of stands as the the guide for everything we're going to look at. We're going to look at different verses, but we have one guide. I, I want to show you a verse of Scripture that we've chosen for this series that we're going to unpack in these next two weeks. It, it happens in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And uh, look at what Paul writes. He says this, all Scripture is God-breathed. There's another one of those claims. And it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, let me give you an idea of what's going on here. Paul is in the, the, the final chapter of his life. And he's handing his ministry over to Timothy, who is his protege. 
And so he's been training Timothy, he's been teaching Timothy, he's been taking Timothy on these journeys with him. And there comes the moment for every leader when they must pass the baton behind them. And so when I always read out of First and Second Timothy, what, one of the things that always strikes me is that these are moments where Paul is exercising his right to say the most serious things because he can see the end of his life just out on the horizon. It's like right there. Many of y'all have been in conversations like that. Many of y'all know I lost my dad on, uh, on Father's Day weekend, 2008. Beth and I lost both of our parents, uh, our fathers in the same year. Beth lost her daddy 13 years ago yesterday. And uh, I'll never forget when my dad was in Mayo Clinic and, and it wasn't really looking great. And there came this moment that this doctor came in and was saying some things to us as a family. And just because I've been around that kind of thing a long time, I heard something I don't think the rest of my family heard. And so when the doctor got through, I, I said to her, I said, pardon me, do you, do you have just a minute? And she said, yes. I said, could you, could you follow me outside the room? And we walked outside the room, and I said, um, excuse me, is he dying? And the doctor said, oh, he'll be dead in two or three days. Turned around and walked away. And so then I had to help my mom understand that, and I had to help my dad understand that. And over the next several hours, we, we uh, erased him from Mayo Clinic. I mean, I, once dad had an understanding of that, I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go home. I said, you're going home. And so I, I remember driving down I-95 in his new car, following a medical transport, bringing my father home to die. But here's what I want to tell you. Right before all of that happened and all of that became known, my dad started telling me all these important things. Um, now, mom's not going to understand this. Um, I've told her before, the, we have this account here. We have this. I want you to do this. Go here. Get this. Talk to it. We've got a situation. You know, we've set up funeral stuff here. He's, and and I'm, right, I'm like writing all this down. When I, when I read from 2 Timothy, that's what's happening. Paul is telling Timothy, look, here's what's coming down. This is what's going down. This is what I want you to know. And then he says these incredible things. Preach the word. Stand for the truth. There is a truth. And then he reminds him, don't ever shrink back. All scripture is inspired by God. There's something going on within it that is bigger, broader, deeper, wider than our understanding. Never shrink back from that truth. So there's a tremendous amount that's in play when we come into this moment. We have a lot of fun, and we, we can laugh, and we can, we can just have a great experience. But, but there's something incredibly serious about these moments together. And how are we to navigate through a deeper understanding? Because one of the things I love about Paul, Paul wasn't just a salesman. Here's what I love. He was a customer. He, he wasn't just a teacher. He was a practitioner. One whose own life had been transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Praise God. 
And so I was thinking about this, and just as a quick setup, I thought of a story I want to read. And remember today, we're just, I just want to lay a foundation to build on. And I thought of a story that, that found its way into Luke's historical narrative of the early church, which is called the book of Acts. This is Luke detailing, here's how the early church started. And uh, I want to read it to you. It's 15 verses long. I want to make three observations. We'll, we'll serve communion. We'll be done. Uh, but here's the story. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And now, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and then rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded to, and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. They wanted to kill him. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. And they're all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And then they made Jason and others post bond to let them go. Now, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Again, Paul's custom. And now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was, there's the word, true, as did many who believed them, and also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the Word of God to Berea, some of them went there too, agitating crowds, stirring people up, and the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join with him as soon as possible. Here's what I want you to know real quick. This is the place in the book of Acts where the early church is pushing the invitation of Christ as the Messiah out to the greater world. There's an invitation here that the movement of Christianity that began not around a person, but around an event being the resurrection, was now be extended, being extended to people who weren't Jewish. So the Gentiles could get in. That's probably most of us. And, and what we find in the story is we find two different examples, really, of, of how we do this together. So Paul is there, Paul is preaching, and, and, and there's just a different expression. There's, there's something very important that we, we don't want to miss, and I think it's important enough that we would bring it into this place with us every time we come. Three things I notice about the truth. First of all, we notice this real quick. Truth is reasonable. The Jewish people have been waiting for a Messiah to come for hundreds and hundreds of years, and Paul comes to the scene 
reasons with them, takes time to work them through, to understand how Jesus is the Messiah, and he does it through the Scriptures. So here's what I want to say. Hats off to everyone here. Hats off to you streaming right now or podcasting later. This is a way we can get to the truth, which is important. The other thing I notice about the truth, I want to say real quickly, is that it transcends, it should transcend our emotions. What's your point, Pastor Dale? Here's my point. If we ever lived in a place in our world, in our culture, where emotions win the day, it is right now. Emotions are the most important thing. And here's what I want to ask you. Are they really? Should we elevate them that high? This is where we get into situations where, well, it's my truth and your truth. I mean, is there a truth? Is there literally a truth? Can we know it? We live in a culture right now, it doesn't really matter what you say, but if you say it with enough passion, good enough. Is that true? Should it be true? And then lastly, can I just say this? The example I notice here is that truth isn't hidden. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with eagerness. They were open to receive it, but then they did the work of examining the Scriptures. See the tension of those two things? I want you to hear me. I want you to trust me. But at the end of the day, your work also means you open the Word too to make sure what I'm saying is true. If we do that, if we become a church that has done that and we continue to do that, here's, here's what I believe. Final statement. You can know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, Lord, I just thank you for those of us that are singing that song, and this is what we've come to believe, and we know that you love us and care for us, but I know there are many friends here, there are friends listening online, Lord, they are working toward belief. So God, would you manifest your grace in their lives too? Would you remind us that you are true, you are right, you are good? Maybe, maybe there's some things we have to unlearn so that we can learn that. And maybe, God, by the power of your Spirit, you would use this space to help us as we're striving to move in your direction to know you better. Thank you that your grace is here for us along the way. For we pray together in Jesus' precious name and everyone said, amen. Would you go in his grace and would you go in his love and we'll see you next weekend.